Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. indicators who knows where this is going to end up to understand the economy you have to understand human nature how are you doing there it is new year's eve 2019 welcome to the podcast normally in the podcast we take a topic we take an issue we analyze it we give our take on it and we move on this week, it's going to be different because it is New Year's Eve. We're going to, myself and John are going to chew the cud. We're going to look back events, but we're also going to look at the data that we have now on the podcast. As of today, we have hit over one and a quarter million downloads, which is amazing. And thank you so much for your time because people's time is precious. Everyone's time is precious and you give us your time and we really, really appreciate that and respect it. What we're going to look at is the data that has come back to us what you want, what you're listening to, the stuff you want more of, the stuff you want less of. So we're going to kind of chew the cud over that and then we're going to have a little, not particularly exacting, but more generous conversation about the sort of stuff that's going to be coming up, particularly in the first and second quarter of 2020 and how we're going to position the podcast accordingly. But again, so it's going to be different today. But I think at the top, what I want to say to you is thank you so much for listening. It has been a brilliant time doing it. And I'm looking forward to 2020. And so is John. Absolutely. Here, here. How are you doing, Head? I'm very good. I'm recovering from, as I was telling you before, the 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 deadly flu that hit Ireland. Most of our, in fact, almost every family I know had uh, the flu. I'm still kind of recovering from it. But I don't like to go on about that. You know me. I'm, I thought that I was made of stronger stuff. I thought that was your commitment to smoking 40 fags a day, that cough. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Industrial amounts. Uh, no, so Christmas all right? Christmas is great. Any rows? Yeah. Family okay? No, no, we were all fairly well behaved, I think. Yeah. Fairly well behaved. Yeah, we, we, we were good. We, we, even, we even ventured up north, which is always a, a touchy one. Yeah, well, one. at least you're back. So we're back you, in one so... piece. Uh, there were no no rows at, around the dinner table, which is quite extraordinary, given, as I told you, they all, with the exception of one or two at the dinner table, yeah. voted for the big B, the Brexit. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We didn't touch that topic until about two in the morning. And uh, and then everyone's just too bored of it. It's like, oh, man, yeah, whatever. and probably didn't have the energy to yeah, exactly. I didn't have the energy. follow through. But it's it's been great. And I mean, here we are. New Year's Eve 2019. What a year. It's been a hoot. And we put this thing together, no real expectation. And 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 you're looking at some numbers now about, well, I was just going about who's through, listening to us. JM has done this amazing review of the year and our, our biggest episodes and our most popular this, that, and all the rest. And I'm, it's fascinating reading. Like, 
Our biggest episode was the one, a hard look at human impact on the housing crisis. But uh, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And because that's going to be an ongoing issue because, you know, in a way, this is a generational thing, the housing crisis. Yeah. That if you are our age, there's a highly likelihood that the housing crisis is something that is affecting your children's prospects. Yeah. Well, you know, we're thinking, okay, our kids are teenagers, but in time they're going to want to move out, et cetera, et cetera. But anybody between the ages of 25 and 40, this is the big issue of our times. Isn't yeah. It? Remember we were talking about the idea that housing isn't just about a roof over your head. It's, it's about kind of dignity, that people need to have the dignity of a place. Absolutely. And they also yeah. need to be able to grow up, you know, to remember we yeah. talking about the, the milestones but in life. That's you know? the key thing, yeah, is is being able to strike out on your own. Because once you're, as long as you're still living with the parents and stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that as such if you're stuck in the situation, but as long as you're still there, you're not being yourself and you're not allowing yourself yeah. to grow up and move on to the next phase. Life is full of phases and that's a key one, the 20s. Jeez, you're full of wisdom today, man. Oh, I'm telling you, what's the story? <laughs> no, but it is, so that's that's so that was like again, like for what, we're, what we're trying to do this this New Year's Eve in terms of the podcast is, isn't really a massive take on something significant that's going to happen right today. We're just looking at the podcast, what you liked, what you didn't like, what actually ranked highly, what didn't rank highly, also how you reacted to things. Because what's very interesting for us, for John and I, is when we're doing the podcast. You do it into the ether, and you're not really sure where it's landing. But the great thing about the data that JM, as I said, everyone, every family needs a Canadian, okay? <laughs> They're a great resource that, that JM's... Now we see what you actually wanted and what you were listening to, and that will give us a great steer for next year in terms of what we're going to focus on. Give us, give us some of the... the... Okay, <clears throat> so number two was the impeachment episode when we had Bill Black on the line. That was, and that was that, great. Yeah. Well, he really kind of gave a lovely summation and ex simple explanation of the impeachment process, what it means. And, and now that Trump has been impeached, the big thing to look for us to look out for now is what happens next, his trial. Will there be more articles of impeachment? You know, or is it going to be death by a thousand cuts type of thing? Well, it's also interesting as well about Bill Black. So it's obviously listeners want to hear also the sort of testimony of somebody like a Bill Black who was a US regulator yeah. and and that again is a good idea that what we should do because luckily over the years like I've built up a kind of a mad contact book of people yeah, you know whether yeah. it's the book festival or Kilkenomics or, or all that sort of yeah they haven't found me out yet you know <laughs> exactly uh, but you know so we probably again we should probably think John of doing that even more like just reaching out to people and say look you're an expert here on this topic Come and talk to us uh, for a while because Diane Coyle as well on the Brexit piece not too long ago when, when I was away. Yeah. Also, you want somebody who's actually... She's great, actually. You, you want somebody who's, who's living it. And, and, and I think... So again, I think the message coming back from the listeners is more of that, please, isn't it? Yeah, it's getting more of those kind of experts just to give us an insight into... And a, and a slightly different angle, which is brilliant. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Kind of different, different voice. So we haven't, three. Found, yeah, we haven't been found out yet. Yeah, not yet. I'm sure they're on to us. Number three was the live show. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Again, well, I think what we're definitely going to do, uh, and thank you very much for your support at the live show. It was really, 
It was, it was really good fun, but it's also, it's a lovely feeling. It was a blast. Haven't you? Yeah. It was a blast. Was you remember a... I was saying to you beforehand in the run-up to it, and it was literally a month or two months in the run-up to it, I was terrified. And I, I don't mind saying, I was actually having many panic attacks in the run-up to it. Every time I thought of it, I'd go, oh my God. And then five minutes, ten minutes into it, I was loving it. You were flying. <laughs> you, you were flying. Well, it's very interesting you talk about panic attacks because... I have them. People don't see that. Uh, mm. it, people always see, you know, someone like me who does a lot of public speaking and there's a lot of that sort of stagecraft yeah. idea. I and, I and I think it should be maybe reassuring to anyone listening who gets these panic attacks is there's nothing wrong with you. I get them too. And, and I get very nervous before events. Uh, I get very, yeah, just nervous. I get, I, get a, I get a really weird feeling. You know, it's interesting. I've, I, was, I was saying to you... Um, we were in the pub last night and I was with a few of my mates. And actually that very topic came up about stress, mental health and panic attacks. And we're kind of the whole bunch, maybe there was, I don't know, it was eight or nine of us. And everybody had a story yeah. about either when stress got too much of them or like one guy in particular talked about his panic attacks. And I'm looking at him going, you're the last person I would have thought would have a panic attack. And he described the whole yeah. thing. And, and it was just that kind of being uh, overwhelmed. Yeah, by, by something that you think it's, it's an extraordinary feeling because, and again, what I, what I would, you know, I, it's good, it's really good to talk about these things in public, particularly when people see, you know, public figures and they say, wow, that guy must be so confident, you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm. No, in actual fact, all of us have these, it's a fear of something awful happening and you know it's irrational but it becomes overwhelming yeah. and then it becomes initially it's psychological and then it becomes physical it's actually a physical fear it's an anxiety it's like an ache you feel like i don't want to do this yeah and then of course you see the audience you do your thing and in most cases it does subside yeah and and actually it's like your body saying okay you're in control now this is all right but i think it's quite natural to have anxieties it before is. performances absolutely but did I ever tell you the story about Mark, our mate Mark, when we went on that Picos trip and we went on big hike up a mountain. We're up about 900 metres, 1,000 metres. This amazing view across the Picos is, is in northern Spain, mountain range in northern Spain. By the way, just, you know, John is at the age that he does the Camino. No, I've never he done goes, the Camino. He goes walking. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, Mark and Mark is is great crack, and he's uh, you know full of bravado and stuff. But we went up, and we got up high, and we kind of crossed a snowfield, so we were crossing a snow line. That was grand, and we got to the point where we couldn't go any further, so we were coming back down, and something just switched in Mark's head, and he couldn't walk back across the snowfield because it was on a forty-five degree angle, and just below the snowfield was that 800-meter drop, cheer drop. And he got a panic attack. And he was hugging the mountain. He was going, I was trying to bring him up and bring him across another way and down. And he just couldn't get his head around it. And he knew, I was talking purely sense to him. And he knew I was talking sense to him, but he couldn't get his head around yeah. it. And we were there for two hours. He was trying to ring a helicopter. And I was going, oh, no, no, please don't. He couldn't find a number for a helicopter. <laughs> And so eventually how we got him across was Twix bars. I went across the You, you mean like a golden Labrador that would follow the Twix bars? No, no. 
I got a bag. We had a bag of Twix and brought them over to him, rammed about three or four into him. So he got this huge sugar rush. And then as he was on the sugar rush, he just pushed him across. Really? It was grand, yeah. Well, I mean... It was a panic, a full-blown is... panic attack. And then that sugar kind of hit him, got him across, and then he kind of came down and was exhausted. Yeah, no, no, but I mean, uh, in that case, that wasn't really a panic attack. I suspect that was kind of a logical uh, analysis <laughs> of the situation, which is four middle-aged lads on very, very high cliff in Spanish Mountain. <laughs> One could easily fall off. In actual fact, I'm with them on that, but it, it, is, it is interesting. So what, what are the other... What are the, other... Uh, the other ones, let's see, the other ones, what have we got? Um, number three was Ireland, Brexit and the Great British Break-Off. Yes. Uh, Britsplaining. Britsplaining you, is a great one. Yeah, just so you know, uh, if, you, if you haven't heard that, that, that podcast, Britsplaining, you'll have heard of the expression mansplaining, when a man sits down beside, a really, let's say, rather overconfident man sits down beside a woman and explains feminism to her. So that's mansplaining. Uh, Britsplaining is when an overconfident Brit sits down against the background of Brexit and explains Ireland to an Irish person. <laughs> and that was what we were getting. <laughs> a hell of a lot of... Yeah, we were getting loads of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, number five was, <clears throat> and this is a good one, Boris Johnson is not a politician, he's a gambler. But he's a gambler paid off. He's a gambler that everyone underestimates Johnson. At every stage in this saga, since he became Prime Minister, he has been written off, discounted, and whatever your politics, there's something about Johnson that he has an ability to pull victories out of the jaws of defeat. And as a politician, that's an extraordinary thing. Was, you know what was Napoleon said about generals? Just give me a lucky general. Right? Right, I don't want yeah. a good one. I don't want a bad one. I want one who's lucky. And, and maybe Johnson is lucky in the sense that the cards kind of fall for him because nobody gave him... I hope and have. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hell of getting the Brexit deal mm. with the EU withdrawal agreement, and he did, but he shafted the DUP 
in the process. Yeah. And he'll do that again. If you looked at the polls ahead of the British election, they were narrowing very rapidly for the, in, into the last week. And he destroyed the Labour Party. Yeah. He, not only the Labour Party, he destroyed everything around him. You know, so he's more interesting than I think people want to give him credit for because he's that buffoonish type of character. Yeah. He's kind of upper class twit that nobody wants to give any credit to. But in actual fact, I think we'll underestimate him at our peril. Absolutely. And that it's certainly one to, to watch. Yeah. And, you know, of course, in the end of this month, they're out and they're on their way. So yeah. we're, we're in the but, but total lap of the gods as, then. As, as, as Jerry Adams said about the Provost, they haven't gone away, you know. And Britain, <laughs> remember he said that? Yeah. And uh, Brexit is not going to go away. In actual fact, something we thought was probably dead and buried, the hard Brexit, will be yeah. back. Let's actually look forward because I think if we look forward to big issues coming down the tracks, Brexit is still going to remain a massive issue. Because, Absolutely, of course, yeah. Because by giving themselves, which I always find very interesting about the Conservatives, they've put into British law that their withdrawal agreement has to be done by next December. As if putting it into British law affects the European negotiating side. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't affect anything. It's yeah. just they've given themselves... And again, it's weird. It's another red line that's not necessary. It's another sort of accelerated timetable that's not necessary. But the future, we're going to do podcasts, the future of the city. What's the future of finance in the UK? Yeah. What's the future of migration in the UK? What's the future of industry in the UK? What sort of regulation are they going to have? What sort of trade barriers are they going to have? I mean, basically no country has ever gone and dismantled a free trade agreement. But most trading negotiations... No, but most trading agreements are all about how do we make trade more open with mm. our major partner, right? Mm. The Americans, on the other hand, have up and down tariffs, but they haven't put as central to their governance. What is it, NAFTA? Did they not tear, tear up NAFTA? No, they, no, NAFTA is still very, very much, very much mm. part of the North American economy, you know, Canada, Mexico, and the United States. No country has ever winningly done and from a position of weakness in yeah. the trade negotiations, done what the Brits are doing, yeah. which is tearing up trade agreements with their biggest partners, then going back to the table in much weakener and hoping to get a better agreement. Mm. But there is no better agreement. So all of that will become apparent this year. So I think that we thought we were done talking about Brexit. Not at all. And then, of course, all the constitutional issues yeah, yeah. thereafter. But I, 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 looking forward, we also have our own election here, John. Yeah. In... <laughs> May. Sorry, my enthusiasm for that is a, it's a bit weak, but anyway. That's because you've led a nomadic existence. <laughs> no, I think that Ireland has been run by Fine Gael for the last decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a big change in, in Irish politics. And it will be interesting to see whether or not Faradkar can form a government after the election next time around, whether or not Fianna Fáil would be the likely next winner. I mean, Fianna Fáil, after the last recession, should have been dead and buried. Yeah. But they're like the zombie. It's like a zombie movie. They just keep coming back. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it, it, this is something that we kind of disagree on a little bit, but is the rise of populism in Ireland and how that will play out in the elections. In the elections. I think that would be really interesting, actually. Well, I think what could be interesting is not that a populist emerges, but that populism, the dog whistle of populism, forces the centre parties to move to a right-wing position on some things. Now, my view has always been that in the last 10, 15 years, Ireland 
has been an exceptional country, and I mean exceptional is, is that it has been has accepted itself from global trends. Mm. Populism being the major one, particularly with respect to immigration. I would like to see that remain the case, but I think this election here, you know, could mark. I mean, again, what I would like to think of, and again, the podcast to position itself as we are going into the third decade of the 21st century. That's the way I see it. Mm. So big trends like technology, big trends in medical advances, big trends in science, big trends in economics, big trends in demographics, big trends in the way the economy is managed. These are the things that I think we should be talking about. Like, for example, what we haven't focused hugely about, and I want to do a little bit more of it, is like this low interest rate environment, what is it doing to the world? You know, interest rates are very, very low for very, very long. How's that affecting financial markets? How's it affecting the banking sector? Like really yeah. meat and vegetable sort of stuff that, that sometimes when there's too much current affairs going on, you forget the analysis yeah. that you need to do. Yeah. But it's very, very clear that listeners want current affairs, reaction to current affairs, takes on the world, which I think we should still course, absolutely yeah. focus on. But there's that, that idea that the podcast... We are lucky enough to have listeners listening to us as we go into a new decade. I think that's a nice way to frame everything. Yeah, but I, it's always good to understand. I mean, pr- particularly for me, the non-economists, you know, just to understand the underlying trends and the stuff that underpin the current affairs yeah, a, well, a little bit more and just in a just much more simpler way. But I'm looking forward to that. But the big thing I'm looking forward to actually this year is on the other side of the water, is the Mary Kay and the impeachment, first of all, the possible new articles of, of impeachment to be introduced, the trial, and of course, the, the big election. Well, it's interesting you say that because I think the trial of Donald Trump will set the agenda for the American election. And in a way, if there was a centre ground uncommitted, mm it's going to be much less likely the case after the trial. Of yeah, Donald for Trump. sure. You know, because it, it, you know, Trump will play this like, this is a show trial and I'm the victim. And yeah. all his lads will say, and lassies will say, look, told you so, the elite's out to get our guy, yeah. drain the swamp. Yeah. That is going to be the overwhelming political issue. But what really interests me, John, is that when you think, and this is the funniest thing about forecasting, right? Forecasting is like, everybody gets things wrong. Mm. Uh, nobody knows the future. Just because you got things right in the past doesn't mean you're going to get things right in the future either. So I think with respect to the States, that will be very, very dominant. But there's also issues, like I'm going to the States uh, in January for a week. I've got to do do something over there, a bit of work. And we'll do a podcast from LA. I've never been there. Oh, so yeah, be... I have. I spent months there. And Yeah, and you didn't it's, pretty like it's it. It's a dump. Is it's it a dump? soulless. Yeah, it's soulless. I mean, there's some lovely little neighbourhoods around, and, you know, the Pacific Coast Highway is fantastic, but LA itself is soulless. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll do a pocket from there. I'm also going to India. I've been invited to speak at the Jaipur Book Festival. Oh, nice. Uh, and that will do definitely a podcast from India because, you know, people forget that India is the future, not China. India. Yeah. India is the country with not only the fastest rising population, but in terms of population dynamics, the youngest population. Yeah. So China, the big fear about China was that China would get old before it got rich because of the one-child policy. Right. India has this huge, huge population on a per purchasing power parity, which is an economic term which tries to get real value 
in terms of GDP, right? Mm. India is soaring past first world countries. You're like of Germany, etc. And when you're there, you get a real sense. But back to your populism idea, Modi, the boss in India, Hindu nationalist down to his toes, mm. has introduced this new law, which says that India will only accept non-Muslim refugees and migrants yeah. from the surrounding countries, right? Which is basically putting it up. That's like that's sort of pure. There's been riots and protests all over the place. And 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 and, and the interesting thing is that. Modi himself came to power in Gujarat, a state in north western, yeah. north eastern, so north northwestern in, in, in India, uh, on the back of race riots, on the back of actually fermenting uh, race riots against Muslims from Hindu right. nationalists. So, yeah. what we're going to try again in the in the podcast is to bring these stories from around the world. I'd like to understand that yeah. one a little bit more. And right. I, there's a good guy I'm sitting down to interview. I'm giving a speech about economics there. But there's a good guy in Sydney called Shashi Tharoor, who is an MEP or an MP in, in India. Mm. Fascinating man. Uh, Google him. He's a really brilliant guy. He's written wonderful books. Uh, used to be, he was second in command of the UN. And it's just a fascinating, in, interesting person. And we sometimes sitting over here in Western Europe don't realize what's going on over in Asia. Yeah. And how quickly the whole place is changing. Yeah. And how fragile the place is. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to bring those sort of voices as well. That's, that's an interesting one, that, that, and the whole religious aspect of India. And just before, because I meant to say about the American thing, something I've been reading a lot about recently in Breitbart. Such yeah, like. John, by the way, is the only person <laughs> I know. And thankfully... Know, know your enemy. Know, know your, your enemy. enemy. Reads, he's a Breitbart reader, a regular, a daily <laughs> devotee at the altar of Mr. Bannon, or formerly Mr. Bannon. What are the Breitbart saying? No, they were talking about... You know, uh, in the last few weeks, there's been the evangelicals and your man from the editor of Christian Today wrote an editorial about Trump. And the evangelicals are supporting Trump weirdly. And he basically called them out saying, how can you support a guy and follow a guy who's basically immoral? And he was basically saying, we need to remove him in the trial. So your man has now since left. This was the magazine that Billy Graham had set up. So it's Billy Graham's son who's now running it. Anyway, so then another Christian magazine is coming out saying the same thing, but it's splitting the evangelicals in two. You've got to remember, there's 30 million of these guys. So they're a huge... And they vote. Vo and they vote. And they, and vote. they vote. Yeah. But the and thing they, is... They also take one position. Like they will take an absolutely. evangelical position... Uh, and it's interesting, but Al, the last thing I was going to say about it, Al Sharpton, you know... Who the, is not an evangelical. No, definitely not. But he basically, was, he was commenting on it and he accused the evangelicals of selling out Jesus. And that is fighting talk. Well, it is fighting talk. And Sharpton, of course, as you know, was the character that Tom Wolfe based one of his main characters at Bonfire the Vanities on. Oh. Yeah. The, you know, Bonfire the Vanities, probably the best book of the 1980s. Certainly kind of fiction, non-fiction. Tom Wolfe, of course, I think actually passed away last year. And the Reverend Al was the basis of which Tom Wolfe built a character. Firebrand. Right. African-American preacher. Yeah. Stoking things up, the whole thing. So for, for me, America is all about civil war politics, right? That It's actually a civil war, right? Yeah. And that civil war 
is running incredibly deep. It supersedes all notions of economics. Remember we said culture always trumps economics in the end. Mm. And what Trump and Johnson and all those guys are doing, their playbook, Modi as well. Yeah, Modi, yeah. Is they speak the economics of the left, but they operate the culture of the right. So they go right on culture, they go left on economics, they absorb up the disenfranchised, mm. lower middle ground, and that's how they have changed politics. And as we go into the third decade of the 21st century, the lesson from the second decade of the 21st century, the one that's just passed, is that politicians who tack left but talk right get elected. 2020, I reckon, is going to be a great one. And we're going to make it a great one together. Absolutely. They're really looking forward to it. So, Happy, happy New, New Year. Year. Happy New Year, everyone, from Johnny, myself Cheers. and JM. Cheers. Cheers.